Don't you just love the Lord Jesus? There's absolutely nobody like Jesus and that's why we're here. We're not here because somebody just invited us. We're not here because um, we don't have anything else to do. We're here because we know that there's power every time that we gather. And uh, as what we are going to be sharing tonight, I want to I want to take us through a portion of scripture we're going to be reading tonight. If you haven't read your Bible at all this week, you're going to be catching up a little bit. Thank you. So just okay. If there's no honest people, you can just smile at somebody and just say hallelujah. And then we know who didn't read their Bibles. So you walked into a trap. So I want to start off tonight. We're going to speaking about being discipled by the Holy Spirit. Being discipled by the Holy Spirit. Of these past few weeks, we've been journeying around the topic of discipleship. And uh, won't you just say with me, I am a disciple. No, please say that as if you actually believe that. Um, not as, as you actually just wondering, am, am I really a disciple? I don't know what's going on in my life. Say, I am a disciple. Here's the second part. I am being discipled. You see, that is the essence of discipleship. And we want to start off tonight, I want to journey through a few scriptures that we're going to be reading tonight of why we need to be discipled. And we're going to flow into a place where I just sense the Lord is going to be leading us into a time of ministry. I'm so excited about that. As I was just, just praying this afternoon, I just sense the heart of God, why He wants us to walk in discipleship. So I'm going to start off tonight. If you've got a Bible with me, um, you can turn to Luke 24, verse 13 to about 35. We're going to be reading tonight. It's going to be awesome. Um, do you like your Bible? Okay, so you can take out your phone on one condition. You don't check your other updates and you're going to be posting things. I don't know. But you can take out your, your, your disciple, your device. You see, I walked into my own thing there. You're going to be taking out your device again. We're going to be reading. And I want to, I want to start off tonight. I actually said to our, our new members class uh, on Thursday evening, I said that one of the things that I want to really challenge you is that I see, obviously, we, we live in a culture that's heavily on our phones. It's not true. We're so much on our phones that we take it to places that actually needs a lot of privacy. We would rather wait a little bit when nature calls to fetch something so that we can have something to do when we've got time. Isn't that idol worship? That something is so important that you take it into the most private places to have a presence. And one of the things that I realized is that even while with my children reading the Bible on my phone, I need to switch to my physical Bible. You know why? Because otherwise they'll be seeing me always on my phone, even if I'm reading the Word. Stirring up a culture that is dependent on a device where rather I can turn to the pages to something they can imitate. Because I would be leading them into something where they see their mom and their dad is always on their phones, even if we are spending time with the Lord. 
far be it from us that we set a culture that our, our screen time is higher than our private time. Okay, I'm speaking to myself as well. So don't feel that it's, it's too bad. I'm going to start off Luke 24 from verse 13. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now, Emmaus just means hot springs. How many of you would enjoy a hot spring on this cold day? Okay, we're going to get home. You're going to take a bath. Hopefully, the load shedding schedule is within that. You put on your geezer and um, you're going to have hot water. Now, these two disciples, they traveled from Jerusalem to this place that was just called Hot Springs, about seven miles, which is about 11 kilometers uh, from Jerusalem. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that has happened. Just to backtrack a little bit, just before this chapter started, it was the whole crucifixion of Jesus. These people were stern followers of Jesus and all of a sudden, their Lord and our Lord was crucified. And then He was put in a tomb. And the only reference to God's divinity was the message of the other disciples that said that His body is not in the tomb anymore. But we're going to get to that. So that's the only reference they had. But they still were in a place because they were saddened. Because they believed that God is going to restore Israel's rule and reign through a political move, which didn't happen. The Messiah would come and He would be the next uh, emperor, the next king, the next... And He didn't come in that way. And because of that, they felt disappointed. And they journeyed away from Jerusalem. How many of you have ever felt disappointed in something that you trusted the Lord for that hasn't happened? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a person that loves to take long walks. That's just me. My wife over there, she's the person we can travel... How many hours? When we stop, she's like, let's go for a walk. I feel like, can we just take a break? Please. We, we, can, travel, uh, we can travel anywhere. Now, uh, two weeks ago, we had some family time. The Lord is my witness. As soon as we stopped, and it was already like dusk, she was like, let's go and see what's going on. I'm like, whoa, just, we drove for how many hours? Can we just take a break? Now, how many of you know when you walk, you actually start thinking? Isn't it true? Especially if you've ever lost a loved one and you take a walk, you start processing. Now, this is what happened with these people. They lost somebody that they truly believed in and they felt at a disappointment and they traveled away from Jerusalem. And here's how the story just gets so much more interesting. It says they were talking with each other about everything that happened. Can I make our first pit stop right here. The best thing that you can do with your life is to seek other believers to speak about Jesus. The two people gathered together and they spoke about everything that happened. You know, our conversations are so filled with so many other things except Jesus. Heard the people this morning say, came in some people, did you watch the rugby last night? Yeah, yes, I know, the spring box. I can't believe it. I was part of that conversation. We were just talking about it. And I realized so quickly that our conversations are filled with things and we cannot speak about Jesus. Here's the beautiful thing. If you just read that very next verse, verse 15. 
And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and He walked with Him. Think about this. For one moment, they're busy discussing everything that happened. And the next person on the scene is that they have a third visitor. And it's Jesus and He's walking with them. Think about it. You and somebody else, we're busy discussing Jesus. We're talking about His Word. And while we're having this conversation, there's a third person here and we're like, hey, who are you? Uh, have you ever been in those conversations? We had this deep conversation and an, another person comes up and they understand, what are you talking about? And you feel like, hey, when I go. This is, this is a, a nice conversation here. We didn't invite you. There's no welcome mat that says, Welcome. So they were having this discussion. All of a sudden, Jesus is on the scene. Can I submit to you? If you want to have the presence of God, speak about Him. Doesn't the Word declare and say to you and me, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. Can I submit you? The reasons why we are not aware of the presence of God is because we're speaking too little about Jesus. We can speak about inflation and the rest of the things that are going up and we can keep ourselves busy with a lot of things. But if we speak about His presence, He would come. Amen. Have you ever been in a public place and you know nobody and somebody sounds like they are calling your name and it gets your attention? So it's funny, you can be in any place in the world. You can be in a foreign country and somebody can just say, um, Just will, will you do that? And will you will, will what? <laughs> you would tell them, did you say my name? Somebody called me. Isn't it interesting that you can be in any place, but if somebody sounds like that, you're calling your name, it's got your attention. Doesn't the scripture say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, why? Because he watches over his word. If he watches over his word, that means his word is linked to his name. Speak about Him as often as what you can. That's why in this church, we've got vehicles like life groups that we can get families and groups of people together that we can speak about Jesus. Because most people will go and say, no, I want to quit my job. There's too many heathens there. Well, that's why you are there. I want to get out of that place. Man, nobody wants me to play my, my, uh, my Jason Upton CD there. Or my joyous celebration. Yes, because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why He's planted you in a place to give Him praise and to lead people onto salvation. But there's nothing that you can do. It's Him through you. All that you need to do is get another person. Because if you can find another person who's just a little bit of a believer, you can talk about Him and He'll be there. He would come. So as they discussed it, Jesus Himself came up and He walked along him, but they were kept from recognizing Him. Here's the thing that I want us just to quickly take a note of. Most of the places in our lives will feel like places of drought and just places where we don't sense God at all. But the Scripture says, but, they, but He was hidden from them. You know why He was hidden? Because when we fall into certain places in our lives where we feel 
despondent and rejected and we just feel we, we, get, in, we get sucked up in that, that vacuum. We are so focused on that that we don't recognize anything else. Somebody can speak the truth to you and the truth will be offensive. You would feel like people are judging you based on the truth that they're speaking. Let me use an example. God could have given you a prophetic word in a certain place, but you start to question the word and then you're so angry with the person who gave you the word. Because you feel like, why? You see, maybe they're a false prophet. Maybe they're not even born again. Maybe they are a son of Satan. I don't know what. You want to call them whatever. But you are so focused on who the message went through that you're forgetting the message. The, the person who orchestrated the message, who was God. And you, and you miss the presence of God because I can be focused on anything else but on God. It says this. Here's what the Scripture says. It says that the God of this age has blinded our eyes. You see, that's why Jesus came. He came to give sight to the blind. Many times we just think it's people who's in church that don't have eyes and He's going to give you sight. But the main thing that all of us need is we need spiritual sight. We need to see spiritually. And many times we speak about discernment and discernment is not you just having your scrafie oogies. Discernment, many times we focus so much on demons. Do you know that discernment, uh, discernment is also focused on God? Because everybody can walk into a place and say, yeah, there's demons. Oh, there's Satanists here. Oh, we can do that. But how many can recognize God like that? Because we're searching for evil. Discernment is where Elisha was standing on the mountain. They were surrounded by the armies. And he said, hey, those who are for us are far greater than those who are against us. Because what you are seeing, you are missing what I'm seeing. And many times we are blinded by the devil and he keeps us busy in the name of discernment. Can I use a, another example in our Christian service? You know how, how we need to discern better? One of the things that you find much greater intensifying this day is the spirit of divination. What is the spirit of divination? It says all the right things at the right time in the name of God, but the source is wrong. So you can be, hallelujah, praise God. There was in Acts 16, there was a little girl that went around and she followed the disciples and she said, these are the men of God that prove the salvation and they lead them. She was speaking the right message and the scripture says the following, after a few days, Peter got irritated. That's what the word says. He got irritated. Have you ever been irritated with somebody just... Ah. And it says he turned around and he rebuked the spirit. And he says, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit left her. Somebody that was affirming the message, but from a wrong place. Because that takes discernment. Not to say, mm, the devil, I smell them here. No, that's not about that. 
Can you recognize God? Because do you know that He is for you? He wears the psalmist right and he says, Where can you run from his spirit? If I go and make my bed in hell, he will find me. If I go to the highest of mountain, he would be there. The times where you feel the most alone is where the time that you need to recenter your heart around Jesus, not around the devil's attention. Why? Because the devil is not God's enemy, he's your enemy. And what we need to do is we need to center our hearts around Jesus. Why? Because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But it takes us to see what He sees and not to be blind. It says that Jesus was kept from from them recognizing it. Okay, you're still with me. Listen to this. Verse 17. And He asked them, "Why? what are you discussing together as you are walking along. Think about this. You are talking about Jesus. Everything that happened, it played off. Now the person it actually happened to was there. Have you ever watched now with those recent things in Johannesburg where the, that pipeline blew up and they interviewed some witnesses? It's some of the funniest things. If you just go on YouTube and you say bad witness to something and they interview somebody <laughs> and that person wasn't even there but they're just sharing as if they were first and there. Have you seen that? So here's the thing what I'm saying. You can only bear witness to that what you've experienced. Amen. Scripture says, go into Jerusalem, be filled with, with, with the Holy Spirit so that you would be my witnesses. You can only witness to that what you've experienced. Most of us, we are trying to force God to do something about something that we've never had experience in because you based it on another person's testimony. And you know what we do many times with testimonies? We make it more juicier. Because that would make greater faith. You cannot use the source of lying to encourage another person's faith. It's already wrong from the start. <laughs> Why? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. Not by our inflated speaking. Okay, it's very quiet in this church tonight. Is it the cold? You can hold somebody sitting next to you, except my wife. I'll, okay, listen to this. <laughs> what are you discussing together as you walk along? It's interesting. Think about Jesus comes to you and He asks this question. What are you guys talking about? And they are responding. Think about this. Because now they don't recognize Him. They stood still and their faces downcast. <laughs> It says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, why are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things what has happened in these last days? Think about it. He's, he's speaking to Jesus. Obviously, he doesn't know it. Can I submit to you, the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, it says, entertain strangers because some of you have entertained angels. Many times what you see is not what you see. You can be speaking to another person, but because my perception of them is wrong, I already downgraded you to my understanding. There's a place where Abram was, was sitting in the wilderness and there were three people walking in the wilderness. Na, 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 na. And all of a sudden, his first response is, I need to prepare food for these people. Without him knowing it, he was hosting God for supper. 
it comes to that place where we are, we are so in tune with that. Well, I don't understand what's going on, but I perceive something is going on. And when I do that, the amazing thing is that God starts sharing with Abram what his plans are. And he says, you know, I'm on my way. Uh, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram, Father Abram, who had many sons, but at this stage, no son, He's telling, he's telling God, okay, but okay, whoa, 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 whoa. But what if there's 50 people inside Sodom? And God actually entertains this conversation. Why? Because if I'm aware to whom I'm with, it gives me access to understanding and to reason why. Because we're not serving a distant God that's sitting on a throne with a lightning rod ready to smite you. We're sitting with a loving Father that wants a relationship with you and me. And He gave that access through Jesus. And everything that He's trying to do is having relationship is not a one-way street. It's a highway of conversation. Both ways. Many times we sit and we pray to God, all our grocery lists, Oh Lord, I'm trusting you for this provision. Lord, I release this in my life. Lord, I speak forth. Lord, I bind every spirit against my family. And God has just been saying, Can I say something over your family? Because the blood always speaks a better word. You think out of your best revelation, you can prophesy something. I'm telling you right now, if you look to the Word, the blood speaks a better word. It says this, verse 19. Now they've been speaking all of these things that had happened. And then Jesus asked, what things? Yes, don't you just love Jesus? Why is that important what Jesus is asking there? Because He's interested in what you think and what you know. The most important thing about you and me, I'm going to say this very slow. The most important thing about you and me is what we think when we think about God. Let me say that again. The most important thing about you and me is what we think when we think about God. Why is that important? Because if you see God as just this, this, this God that's sitting in, um, in, in heaven, just play, just play like uh, G minor. Can you do that? Because many times we would imagine God is sitting maybe there and He's... Um, why don't you go, sorry, to, let's do B minor. We can just imagine God is sitting there and He's just waiting for you and He doesn't want to speak to nobody until at any place. And now we come and we come to God, uh, I hope we've got if you just would listen to my little prayer that I'm going to be praying right now, the Scripture is full that says you can approach the throne room with God with boldness and confidence. You know what, what, the, what the enemy does so well? He steals your confidence to approach God. You're so focused on that which you're not doing, what you should be doing, that you're not even approaching God in that. Why? Because I'm teaching as, as an earthly father, if my kids mess up, come and tell me. 
I don't want to find out about it. Come and tell me first. It's not that I'm going to go there, I'm going to wait, I'm going to take the hose pipe, I'm going to smack you from yesterday. I want to hear it from your own mouth. Why? Because if you lie, you make it worse. And then you need to remember what you lied about. Then your story needs to more, be more juicy. And then I'm the dad who needs to operate in discernment. And I need to tell you, you're lying. I don't like that. And then I need to backtrack a little bit because now the lying stirs my anger. What can you do that is not hidden from God's sight? Your whole life is open before Him. So when I come to Him, I come to Him as somebody who sees everything. And when I tell Him something, He's not seeing it for the first time or hearing about it for the first time. But He's gracious to the humble. So here in the story, we find this thing. Jesus asked this question, what things? And they say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they're telling people about Jesus who's standing with them. Has ever somebody given you a testimony and said something about you and you think about yourself, that's not there. I've been introduced at places. Can I tell you a funny story? I did a funeral a few years ago. Wonderful people. They were not in our church. One of the members was in our church and then they, they asked me, can I help? So I said, no, let me help you. But this family had no... I don't know where they, they Googled certain things. It was just funny. So I did the, the funeral, uh, the service here. We went to the gravesite. And as I opened the, the program at the gravesite, I had like three titles, which was like kind of funny for me. The first one was Bishop. So I'm like, Bishop, Bishop Standard. So I'm looking around. Now, please understand this. It's an African funeral. And I'm looking around. I'm like, is there another standard around here? It doesn't. And then it says, Bishop will be praying for whatever. And then the second one is priest. So I'm like, okay, the Bible calls me kings and priests. But I'm not a priest. I don't have that white thing here. And, uh, and the last one was, I'm trying to remember now what it was. I think it was apostle. And I thought to myself, wow. Are these people prophesying over me? So when I came up and they were speaking things about me when they tried to introduce me but they had no frame of reference of me. They were following protocol out of courtesy and I felt like this is not who I am because I got introduced as the leader of the church. Well, I'm not the leader of the church. <laughs> but because it was a hearsay story from one person to another person. The story got added. And that's the things that Jesus is so interested in. You know why? Because when we read the word for ourselves, we get firsthand experience. That's what the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I cannot serve the Lord on Annette's revelation. I cannot serve the Lord on Pastor Herbert's revelation. It's impossible. That's why the scripture says, build your house upon the and not on the Okay, we all went to Sunday school. So why is, why is the rock so important? Not because you watch WWE. The rock is the Word of God. It's God Himself. 
Sand is rock, but it's a broken down form of rock. It's when we take another person's walk with the Lord and I try to do it in my own life. I basically break down what God wants me to build on and I build my trust on another person's testimony, on another person's life with Christ. And that's where the places where we get frustrated. We feel just like, oh, have you ever felt like that? Where people are teaching you, you should be doing this spiritually and you try and do it and it's not working. They teach you, you should be praying six hours in the Spirit. Now you pray six hours in the Spirit and you seem very spiritual and you know a lot of worship songs, but you're still living the same life, struggling with the same things because you're trying to apply another person's rhythm in God. Bible says, I love in the book of, um, uh, help me Lord, in Matthew 11, in the message translation, it says that we should follow the rhythms of grace. There's a rhythm to your life and all that God wants you to do is to find that tune and just play with Him in that rhythm and you live out your relationship with God like that. But listen to what the Lord does. They say about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and indeed before God and people. The chief priests and all our rulers handed Him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified Him. They're telling the story about Jesus, everything He went through, by the way. Verse 21, but we hope that He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But what is more is on the third day, all this took place. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. You can look to your wife if you've got one and you say, you amaze me. They came and told us that they've seen a vision of angels. Now l- listen to this. Who said He was alive. So when some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman has said, but they did not see Jesus. See, that's the places where most people say, just do this and you'll get this. Doesn't work like that. Because there's an invitation to a personal relationship with Jesus, not just based on what somebody else has said. Listen to this. Verse 25. And He said to them, how foolish you are. Now, have you ever been rebuked in a place? You felt like, what? And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken about. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things than to enter glory? Jesus basically just rebukes them. We don't like being rebuked or being corrected. Is it true? How many of you love to be corrected? It's not nice. Especially if you're married, that's standard WhatsApp. That's what you do. It's just correction is, have you, have you realized on your phone you've got autocorrect? It's called marriage. Just joking. Okay. Because rebuking takes discipline. Listen to this. Discipline is not for control. Discipline is always for the means of discipleship. I get adjusted. In my heart, I get adjusted with my perspective. And now listen to what Jesus says. Verse 27. Oh, I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And beginning with Moses. Moses, we see you. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Can you just imagine? Jesus starts at Genesis 1. 
and He explains to them every single place that He's found in Scripture. People go and study theology just to try and find an idea. Why is God doing that? But Jesus personally speaks to them from the place of creation until where they are current and says, everything has been pointing to me. Now listen to this. Oh, I love this. Verse 28, And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as He was going a little bit farther. Verse 29, But they, but they urged Him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. You know why? It says that Jesus went on as if He's going to be passing by. And many times in Scripture, you find Jesus is making as if He's going to pass by. The time He's walking on the water. And they said, it's a ghost. And He just kept on as He was going to pass by. There's another place where the blind man was sitting next to the road and he's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus just kept on walking. Because He wants you and me to want Him. Friends, He will not make His residence in places where He's tolerated. It's not even about the celebration. It's wanting to be with you. You see, how would your marriage be or your life in any relationship be with a person and you know that they don't want to be with you? There will be absolutely no relationship. That's why when we speak about a relationship with God and a desperation, David writes and he says, like a deer that panteth onto streams of living water. So my soul longs for you. Have you ever been in love in your life? A few people. Those of you who didn't answer the question, marriage camp next weekend. Um, but if you've ever been in love in your life, and those of you who are still in high school, if you, you're still in love, and you know that person, you, they just, you just keep on thinking about them. You walk past them somewhere and you, everything just reminds you about this person. Their smell, their voice, everything. They just, they're always on your mind. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, I, I told the story to the new members club. When myself and my wife, we were engaged, we would sit till three o'clock in the morning in my car and I needed to drop her off. But we just had these conversations and, and then she needed to be about six o'clock on the road again to Midrand. And when she gets to work by seven, send this message, I, I miss you. But I saw you like three hours ago. Because you're consumed with that what has got your attention. Friends, have we lost our desire to spend time with God? Or are we just tolerating Him as a Sunday kind of faith? Where we come to church and then God can do anything. But when we leave these doors, we can't even trust God to put fuel in our car. A Sunday faith might be far, for away, far away from us. Listen to this. Verse 30. But when he was at the table with him, he took bread and he gave thanks. Okay. Broke it and began to give it to the two people. Imagine having a meal with Jesus. See, because breaking of the bread is one of the things that's very neglected many times in our own life because the breaking of bread is just not the fellowship we have with one another, but it is a union with Christ. As we take the bread, we become part of His body. 
we partake of His body, becoming one with His body. The body of Christ, when we partake of that, we can speak always about the promises and the covenants that He's made, but in essence, it's just making us one with Him. Listen to this. He, he gave the bread, verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized Him and He disappeared from their sight. Imagine sitting and talking, me and Dylan, we're busy talking. And now all of a sudden we were talking and there was a third person and we realized it's Jesus. And as we realized, oh, this is Jesus, boom, He's gone. We'll be like, what? <laughs> what? We would think, of, what did He give us to eat? We're hallucinating. Have you ever seen people hallucinate? People speak crazy things. I remember there was a time just before my dad passed. It was, it's a, it's a, it was a sad part, but it was a funny part. Because in that last part of his, of his life, he started hallucinating a lot. And some of the things were like really funny. No disrespect, but it was really funny. As he was lying in the hospital bed, some of the things that he started hallucinating on the bed, on, on that side, on, to his left-hand side, was a bed. It's actually the bed where, where my mom laid many years ago. And he saw two dogs sitting there and he asked this question. He's like, how can dogs be in the hospital? Now I'm looking around. <laughs> so now I'm first shocked because maybe I'm really not seeing the dogs because he, so now suddenly he's like, yeah, that dog is big. I'm like, I don't see any dog. And then he asked Milan, he's like, won't you just take a picture? I'm thinking, is he messing with us? And he's like, yeah, that. And she takes a picture and he's like, wow, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, really? Are you messing with us? And then he says, he starts telling the story. He says, no, they, many years ago, there was an Afrikaans program called Quella. Quella. And he says, no, they're going to do an interview because of this person's dogs and whatever. And as he's speaking, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and then the nurse walking past, he's like, how can she have a parrot? I'm thinking, <laughs> what are you busy saying? Because you're hallucinating. Can you imagine the experience from the disciples sitting with Jesus and all of a sudden He's appearing from their side? The shock that you might feel, was I really seeing what I was seeing? Listen to this. And they asked one another, verse 32, were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and opened the scripture to us. Can I submit you? There comes a time where you take the Word of God and it ministers inside of you. And times where you experience something and then there's nothing there, but I can rely on the Word of God that burns inside of my heart. I wanna ask this question, when last has the Word of God burned inside of your heart? Where you can say that there's something in the Word that I need to feed from it. The Word is like a hammer. The Word is like fire. See friends, one of the things that we realize, I'm trying to get people excited about the Word, but if you've never experienced the fire of the Word, I will only speak of things that you'll never understand until you've experienced it. The Scripture gives this invitation, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you ever think about a hot summer's day and you think about a, a soft serve ice cream, 
with a flake inside of it. And you speak to somebody who's never tasted a soft serve ice cream. How would you explain it to them? It's cold, it's sweet, it's soft, it's soft serve. (laughs) How will you explain something to somebody who's got no frame of reference? That's why it's an invitation for us to taste and see for ourselves. I'm asking this question, when last has God's Word burned inside of you? You know where it started? It started off with two people just talking about Jesus on this road. And in their midst, all of a sudden Jesus rocks up and Jesus starts sharing the Word. And there's something that happens as we share around the Word that His Word starts burning like fire inside of my heart. Because at once it was just confusion where we speak about, have you not heard? What, where were you when all these things happened? And I explain, and then somebody corrects my perspective. And all of a sudden, everything I've known gets realigned and something inside of my heart starts burning. I've got a burning desire to open my own Bible for myself, to go and seek Scripture after Scripture where I can find Jesus in every page for myself. I'm not just putting up another podcast, another YouTube thing for another sermon that somebody can inspire me. I'm looking for Jesus in my own Bible. You know, many times we need to put on these amazing background music for us to experience the presence of God. I can promise you in the stillness of your room, even in your car on your way back home, you can just say the name of Jesus. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. You can just say Jesus, 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 Jesus. And He responds to His name. He always does. Here's the question I want to ask tonight. Will you accept Him in a way that is maybe not known to you? Because that's many times how He comes. He comes in ways that is not like your frame of reference. It's like where the prophet was asking the question, is He in the earthquake? Is He in the fire? He was in the still small voice because the frame of reference just before that was the fire from heaven. Many times it comes in a way that is not according to your frame of reference, but He still comes. The question there with Jesus standing in their midst is, can we recognize Him in a small group setting for people who meet on different places? You can meet over Zoom. You can meet in physical places in people's houses. And it's not according to, no, I'm an introvert. I don't like going to people's houses. And he's found in a place that is not according to your frame of reference. And as you start speaking about him, there's something inside of you that starts burning. Saying, God, I want more of you. See, the biggest loss that we could find in this place is to trying to serve God alone. The biggest lie is that, you know, you can serve God for yourself from the comfort of your home. Yes, that's called personal devotion, but it's found in fellowship with other believers. It's lived out in that place. It comes to a place where Peter, Peter, the the amazing disciple, Paul writes and he says, Peter was this way with the Jews, and when he was with the Gentiles, he was in another way. It took another disciple to go and correct the father of the church. 
to say, hey, why are you a hypocrite? You're one way with the Jews and then you're another way with the Gentiles. What am I saying? Could God have spoken to him himself? Yes. But he chooses his vehicle through his body. When I walk in the dark and I bump my toe, my little toe, it can be so small, but it can speak to my whole body and say, Aina. You might think this life group is so insignificant, but God uses that small part of the body to speak to you. <laughs> Listen. Last one, then I'm wrapping up. Does our heart still burn when He speaks to us? Verse 33, they got up and returned to Jerusalem immediately. What I want you to take note of, they started off by traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. After the encounter, they returned to Jerusalem. Why was that important? Because just a few verses down from Luke, 20, uh, Luke 24, verses 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high. These people were set up by Jesus before He gave the instruction to be at the right place, at the right time, with the right people. I don't think you got that. When Jesus gave this instruction to all of the disciples, He included Cleopas and another person that was with Him to be in an environment with the right people at the right time. See, many times we miss out on certain things that God wants to speak because we're the wrong people at the right time. Or the right people at the wrong time. Or with no people at no time. What am I saying to you? If you hear anything tonight, hear this. That my life cannot be lived according to being a disciple if I live it in isolation. It needs to be lived out with other people around me and together we seek the Scriptures until there's correction that's being found to say, this is Jesus and His Word starts burning inside of my heart. I want to say to you in this night, may you never, never seek the Lord for just, just to be in a, in a church setting that is just a Sunday type of faith. I want to challenge you in this night. I want to exhort you to say, get into the fellowship of other believers and speak about Jesus people come to church and we sing about Jesus but can we go from church into different places and keep on speaking about Jesus because when we're in that right time with the right people and that right environment the Bible says and the promiser would come you can be doing one thing and all of a sudden the presence of God comes Here's the call that I want to make tonight. If you're in that place tonight that your heart has actually stopped burning inside of you for His Word, it's what I just sensed as I just prayed. Your heart has stopped burning. Second thing is that maybe you are like the disciples that you're walking away from Jerusalem, from the place where you actually had reference from, your first encounter with Christ. You're walking away because of disappointment. Maybe you're in that place where you feel like I'm not recognizing what that is God is busy doing in my life. I just feel like I'm not seeing Him at all in my life. I sense the Lord just wants to minister to you tonight. If that's you, because I don't want to call it a one by one, 
And I don't want to leave it out. I just want to ask if that's one of your places, would you quickly come? just want to pray with you tonight because I sense how the Lord just wants to bring realignment tonight. If you feel that your heart is not burning like it used to burn before. Second place is that you were walking in one way with the Lord, but you're not walking in that same way anymore. It started off in Jerusalem, but now you're walking to another place. You still believe in the Lord. And the third place is I'm not recognizing. He's, he's speaking, but I don't recognize. It feels like I'm blinded. Would love to pray for you tonight. That's what I sense that. Won't you join me to do that? I sense how the Lord just wants to minister to you. Can I ask you just to pray? The most the best thing that you can do is what you're standing here is not to have this loud type of prayers, but a prayer of agreement. know if you're standing in front there's one thing I want to say to you I want every person just to look at me there's nothing that I can give to you that can make your heart burn it's the Lord himself that causes that fire in our hearts but here's the thing I want you to take note of there's a scripture in the Old Testament where God gives this instruction to the priests and he says I'm gonna light a fire but it's the priest's responsibility to put wood on that fire every single day. Because God can start a fire in your life, but it can die out because you're not feeding the fire. The best thing that you can do is to prioritize in your life. Find somebody that can hold you accountable. Say, listen here, can we read the Bible together? And you ask a simple question like that. Ask me every day, what did you read? Because now I feel forced, I must eat. I must eat from the Word. Can you remember what you ate last week, Wednesday? Can you not remember? But you did eat. See, many times we read something in Scripture and we can't remember what we read. But you did read. There's something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon that Word and He illuminates that. In the most desperate time that you need that, He speaks. But we need to give Him Word. So that's the thing I want I to ask before we pray anything tonight is that we're going to ask the Lord to fill you again with that fire that something will burn inside of you. But I want you to make that decision first. Say, Father God, I make this commitment to devote myself to your word and to fellowship with you and other believers. I ask that in this night. Come and baptize me with your fire. Precious Holy Spirit, remind me of your word. Fill me in this night with a fire on the inside of me that I might burn bright. Thank you, Lord, 
for a spirit of revelation and a spirit of understanding. I pray that in this night, may deep cry out to deep. Every longing inside of my heart. I pray that you would come and fill that yourself. Just since some of you just need to pray that and say, Father God, I forgive every person who has hurt me. I forgive them and I set them free. I choose not to hold what they did, what they said against them. I set them free. Holy Spirit, fill this place in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard her heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for bringing restoration. Thank you for the fire of your word, Lord. I want to pray that in this night, Lord, set ablaze, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heal. Heal. Heal because you love, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I ask that just somebody to just come and pray here? Thank you, Lord, for the fire. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray with this gentleman. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, let your word burn in this gentleman in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I want to pray, Lord, in this month. Thank you, Lord, just for that fire to be stirred up in this gentleman in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Since how the Lord just says to you, I'm not angry at you. Not angry at you. Not angry at you. I'm not distant from you. Oh Lord, I want to pray for that nearness in the name of Jesus. Can I ask the guys just to sing? Let's just worship the Lord as would we do that.
got a final call tonight that I just want to do. We spoke about how these two people walked together and they were speaking about Jesus. And maybe you're not part of a life group family yet. I want to ask you and I want to encourage you that you would start off this term with a place that you are walking with other believers. Not to say I'm just associating, I'm just coming to church and we're just doing our thing. I'm asking that you would make that commitment. That you would walk with other, other believers in the form of a life group connection this term. And if you've never been in part of a life group, what is a life group? A life group is this big church family in a home. Doing life together where you're not just somebody in a seat. You are a name and a face and a family. And together, we grow together seeking after the Lord as often as what we can. And if you've never made a decision, doesn't matter where you live, you might live in whatever different area. There's, there's always a place for you to connect. And if you've never signed up for a life group, you would see there to my back. It's Pastor Serena, some of our other leaders. It's there. And we would love to get you connected tonight to make sure that you're not walking out of this place, not being connected to the to to a life group family. Maybe you're watching us online. Send us a DM. You might not be living in Pretoria area, but we can still connect you over a Zoom group that meets and will care for you. The bottom line is it started with two people walking and talking about Jesus. It's not going to just happen haphazardly. It's intentional. And as with you do that, start with your commitment to say, I want to start off this third term and I want to get connected to the, to the family of God. So if that's you, go after the service and get connected to a life group. Amen and amen. Can I pray for us before I ask Pastor Eric just to come up and just wrap up our service time together. Father God, I want to pray over every person that's with us both here in person and online. I want to pray this prayer, Lord, that you would cause every person that's here, may our hearts burn for your word once again. I want to pray for a revelation of Jesus and just Jesus. I want to pray that in this night, Lord, may everything else that does not look like you and lead us to you be taken from our lives, Lord. Your word declares, as you are, so are we in this world. We are being molded into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Precious Holy Spirit, thank you for leading us to the right people at the right moment to do something great with our lives. In the precious name of Jesus, if you agree with that, won't you say amen and amen.